You're listening to Why Me, God, a podcast for everything cancer-related. We will talk about the difficult things to the most joyous of things and see how God uses each person through their cancer journey. You are not alone, so stick around. You'll want to listen. My guest today is caregiver Patsy Richardson. We discuss what her experience has been like as a caregiver for her husband, Kevin, and how she and her family have coped with his diagnosis. We talk a little bit about enjoying the little things in life, and I even open up a little bit about my dad's cancer journey. Ooh, are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, yep, yeah, now I can. Okay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Got anything exciting going on today? No, nothing much at all. No. We're just watching the snow melt. Oh, yeah. I was just about to ask how the weather is there. It's nice and sunny now, but we had, uh, let's see, was it beginning of last week? I think we had nine inches of snow, and that was on top of already having a few. So we've got quite a bit of snow. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yep. We unfortunately have not had any snow really yet this year. <laughs> I know. Cicely wants to make a snow angel so bad. I know. <laughs> she is so funny. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll at least get one good snow. Even if it's just like a couple inches, I'd be Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need, just to have some fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. And to keep me home from work for a day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so how's everybody been doing? Not too bad. Um, Dad had a pacemaker put in a couple weeks ago, uh, okay. but he seems to be doing really well since then. And uh, yeah. everybody else, we're just all just trucking along one day at a time. Yeah. Now, is your dad, is he staying with you guys still, or is he somewhere Nope, else? he is in an apartment. It's a um, okay. senior living, so it's not assisted living, but they, you know, they have, like, the monitors that they can beep if they need help, and they check on them if they haven't seen them during the day, that kind of stuff, so it's good. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. I'm sure he enjoys that. Have a little little bit of independence yes and no I don't I think now he's to the point he'd rather be with one of us but um you know that's just way hard but <laughs> how's your dad feeling he's doing okay um he seems to be um tolerating his new medicine so far pretty well so well, that's good uh, not any like major side effects that I know of anyways so he, he's doing pretty good good and that's the key uh, phrase that you know good. of <laughs> right yeah exactly <laughs> and he goes back um in a couple weeks um for a checkup I guess they'll do some tests to see if it's even working or anything so hopefully we'll pray for good results there oh, so but how's uh Hannah is she doing good she is doing good Yep, she's having a hard time finding a job, but, um, you know, I think that's every every student that's graduated from college in the last two years. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, she's, she's doing good. She seems to be happy and that's all we can ask for. Oh yeah. I see where she's been doing like her little gnomes and her. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They're so yeah she's uh it started just as something for her to do because she was going crazy and and it's just taken off and yeah she loves it yeah she's taken over half of the basement with all of her stuff and um yeah she loves it so and it's making her some money so that's good too yeah hey every little bit exactly (laughs) exactly yeah so we keep saying you know we're not supporting you forever (laughs) right be like we love you but, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> um all well i guess we can just dive on in to our discussion today. all right um so i guess to start out um if you want to just kind of tell us um who you're a caregiver for and give a little um information about that okay um my husband is the patient they call him a zebra from uh he has neuroendocrine carcinoid cancer and they call the patients zebras because of the saying of if it sounds like a horse it is a horse but it's really not because this disease is so misdiagnosed um but it's a very slow growing cancer. It generally starts in the abdomen, intestines, lungs, and it goes misdiagnosed because the tumors grow underneath the lining of the organs. So they're very hard to detect. Um, It's untreatable unless it is in certain organs like the lungs and the liver. So almost when you get to the point of You really don't want it to be there is when you finally have the option of having a treatment. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was diagnosed back in 2014 and had uh, two thirds of his small intestine removed with 39 tumors in it and uh, 18 lymph Mm -hmm. nodes. But thank God they have not spread outside of those same lymph nodes since then. So we are extremely thankful for that. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that he had that many tumors. Yes. Yes. They were running it. They, during the surgery, the surgeon called in an oncologist and they literally ran it with their fingers. One would do a section and pass it to the other to make sure they weren't missing any and just did that through his whole intestine until they were sure they had them all. Oh, wow. How did, um, since you said that it's, really hard to detect that kind of cancer how did he like what prompted him to get well he he probably had it we're guessing probably 10 years before he was diagnosed he would have pains and symptoms and we would go in and they were always logically explained away and they would give pain meds or something and and it would get better and you know so we would go on with our life and then it would be a while and he'd you know, have issues again. And again, they would be explained away until finally it got so severe. He was to the point he couldn't eat anything. He couldn't keep anything in. Um, He was spitting up blood and we went into the ER and they same song and dance. We can't find anything. And I said, I am not taking him home. 
I, I, you can put him in a closet if you want to, but I'm not taking him home until he's sick. And years yeah. previous, he had had surgery for diverticulitis. So I called that surgeon and said, you know, look, something is going on. And so they did some tests. They did a um, scope and they found there was a small blockage. So he said, let's go in and see if we can get rid of this. This has to be what's causing it. And thank God that that surgeon believed them and was willing to do it because that's when they found it. So it was purely by happenstance that he actually found it. Oh, wow. It it is crazy. And the even crazier thing is his mom died from this cancer. But when she had it, they said it wasn't a genetic disease. You know, none of us had anything to worry about. So it never crossed our minds. And all of those years of him going through this, it never once occurred to us to think for them to look for that because they said that it was not genetic. We now know that it is. And there are studies about that. But we just we had no idea. Right. I was going to say, because um, I know they've, they do like the genetic testing and stuff now, but um, like I went just to the doctor a couple of weeks ago for like my yearly checkup, mm-hmm. you know, and we had that discussion and she was um, talking about how like, you know, 10 years ago, like they didn't have a lot of the testing and knowledge that they exactly. do now. And even like years before that. So it's like each each year they keep running right it can point if you would be um i guess if you would have markers to indicate that you could get cancer right right that's pretty fascinating to me yeah that they even that they could be able to do yeah even finding a doctor who was familiar with this disease was hard to do And the oncologist came in after surgery and he said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I have never dealt with this. I am willing to learn. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do or you need me to do. But I completely understand if you want to move to a different oncologist. And luckily he's local and he does work with the oncologist who has experience with it out of the University of Michigan. So we have both of them working together, which is, which is nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So does he go, um, cause like my dad, he'll go every three months for checkups and things and tests. Does, uh, does he have something similar to that where he has to go? He, for he does. He checkups? goes every month and they do blood work to check the markers And he gets a shot called lanreotide, which is a shot to help slow down the progression of the tumors and to help with the side effects from the cancer. Um, It's not grown. We're thinking it's working, which is great. Um, And then he goes once a year for uh, what's called a gallium scan. And it, uh, it's a full body scan and it is able to pick up the tumors, which is, is really the first, the first good scan that can pick up the tumors in pretty much any part of the body. Well, that's good. 
um, that he has those yes. so frequently. And and my dad, his is kind of similar because he'll go every three months. They'll do tests, and then he'll get a shot as well. So that's kinda, right, kind of the same same boat. That, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're in the same same family of medications. Yeah. Right. Um, so how, how do you think his diagnosis has affected you most? Like when you first, uh, well, when I first found out, I think when I first found out, I think I was probably most worried for daughter, Hannah. Um, she was a senior in high school at the time, trying to decide where to go to college and all excited about life. And then, you know, this hit and she didn't want to go to school. She wanted to stay home. She was going to change all of her future plans. So I think that was, that was probably the hardest part for me at first was seeing how tormented she was because she wanted to be home to help, but wanted to have her life. Um, so we compromised. She stayed in state, but still went away to school. <laughs> Um, but now, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, changed it. It, it not only changes your relationship with your loved one, it changes your relationship with everybody because you look at everything so different. You realize how fragile everything is. And, you know, I truly enjoy the little things now more than, than I ever did, you know, and you take every, every good day and every good moment for every second that it's worth, you know, the, just the um, sitting and snuggling on the couch, watching a movie becomes a good thing because there's a lot of days that the pain is just so bad that he doesn't want to do that. Um, you know, just, just going for a walk. It's, it's amazing running errands together. You just um, all of those things just take on a, on a whole new meaning. And I've really learned to, no matter how much I don't want to do something, you know, I've made plans to meet a friend or whatever, and I'm so tired. I don't want to go. I do it because this is, this is life. This is it, you know? And um, yeah. So I think, I think that's probably, I think that's probably what's changed the most for me. Yeah. Um, I like that. I mean, cause you, I guess you kind of, it's kind of like just enjoy the small things, like no matter yep. how little or insignificant they may be, you, you really do just get this new kind of outlook right. on everything. And I really, I really resonate with that. Where yeah. Yeah. Like that. It doesn't have to be the big, the big vacation that you take, you know, it is, it really is, you know, when he, when he's having a really good day in the summer and we get up in the morning and we get on the motorcycle and we go for a ride all day, you know, because then it could be, it could be weeks yeah. before he feels up to doing that again. Yeah. Right. Um, so what do you think, um, is there anything that helped you um, kind of cope with knowing that he had cancer? Like for me personally, like journaling really helped me a lot. Um, and then like maybe doing like just um, painting or like just little things that kind of, I guess, keep my mind kind of yeah. it. But I still knew about yeah, it. Yeah, because it, it never it never goes away. It's It's always there just kind of, you know 
that little that little bad devil over your shoulder. Um, but I I have started, and actually it was a friend of mine who who got me started on this. She gave me a pack of envelopes and paper and said, just, you know, just if you ever wanted to write a letter to somebody, you know, even if you don't want to send it. And I did start doing that. I started writing letters and um, it started when it would be a, a really bad day. And I'd just write down all the mean, nasty stuff going through my head. And usually I ended up tearing them up and throwing them out. But I, I have started writing a lot to Hannah um, in just about stories about Kevin, you know, things that, that she probably doesn't know, um, things about me that I don't necessarily want her to know until maybe I'm not around anymore. Um, and how, how this whole situation has affected us, you know, I mean, we're, we talk a lot as a family about it, but there's still things that we don't always talk about because no one wants to actually talk about it. Um, you know, so I write, I write her letters like that. And then, you know, somebody sends a card or a candle or whatever, and I'll write a little letter and some of them I've sent and, you know, some of them I'm hanging on to till I think, okay, well, you know, someday, unfortunately, they're going to be having a really bad day and maybe I'll give it to them then and it'll hopefully make them feel like it made us feel when we got that gift from them. I like that. I might have to try something yeah, like I, that. Because, like I said, I love the like to write about. Well, journaling for me has always been an escape for me. So that's that's right. kind of helped me like get through. Yes. Yeah. That and that is a good way too, because you can you can say whatever you want to say, and you know it's safe. <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until I guess it's uh, right. Yeah, because it is. It, it's hard. <laughs> you know, there's the times that you you want to talk about something or say something, and you know, it'll be like, oh, Kevin's having a really good day today. I don't want to bring that up. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to brum him out and bring him down. You know, he's having a good day. Or then it's you know, oh, he's having a really bad day. I don't want to put this on top of it. You know, so it's good to to just write it down and yeah. Like I said, a lot of mine get torn up and thrown out. <laughs> that's actually, that's probably, I should probably try that. Like if there's like just a day where I'm just really mad or something and I just need to get it all out. And then it's like, you feel better after you write it. And then it's like, okay. Uh, right. right. <laughs> I don't want to think about it anymore. Just get it. Yeah, that, that's it too. And it does, it does, you know, you just rip it. You feel that tension and anger just, you know, going through you. It's like, okay, I can breathe again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. So um, what, what do you think um, being a caregiver um, has taught you the most? About mm. cancer? Um, probably, probably that if you let it, it can control your every thought, your every breath, everything. Um, but I think, I think if you realize that, you know, there's so many different elements to 
being a caregiver, it's, it's not just taking care of um, the person, it's taking care of yourself. But you, you know, there's so many people around you that are affected by it too. And, and I've caught myself a lot feeling like I have to take care of them as well, you know, trying to explain it all to them and, you know, um, them dealing with, you know, their brother, brother-in-law, uncle, whatever, dealing with this cancer. Um, but I think if you realize that other people, other people can be the caregiver, it doesn't necessarily have to be me. You know, other people can take care of him too and do it well. Um, I think, I think it, you just need to learn that you aren't an island, that there's, there's a lot of um, people out there that are willing to help if you give them the chance. Right. And it's good to have that support system yeah. too, like other family members, other friends. Yes. Yep, definitely. And I'm sure... And I'm sure that he appreciates. He that does. Too. He he. I feel so bad for him. He so many times he's always apologizing. You know, and you know, thank you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's like you know, you're, it, it's not your fault. You know, there's there's nothing to be sorry for. You know, and, and every time he says that, you know, it's kind of like I'm the one that feels sorry because I can't fix this, and it is such a such a helpless feeling, knowing that you can't fix it and make it better. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just about to say, like, I think that's like the one thing I struggle with, like, to be a caregiver is you have to see what all they go through. And it's like, you really do just feel so helpless. And it's like, well, what can I do? Like, I want to be able to fix it, you know, but you know, there's no no way to fix it or a way that you can't. Right. Right. Yeah, it uh, it is. It's very it's very humbling, which I guess is kind of something you don't really think about when you think of dealing with it, but it is because it makes you realize that you, you know, you, you can't do it all. You can't make it all better. And it does stink, but, and those are the times you try, you know, you you try to pray for the strength to just get through um, you know, but even that at times is, right. is extremely difficult as you know, to, you know, to as much as you want to trust God to take right. care of this, it, there are those moments where you think, you know, well, why aren't you fixing it already? <laughs> right. Yeah. And we get, we yes. get a little yes. And to kind of circle back, like where you're saying, like, um, to enjoy the little things, I think that could potentially be a way to overcome maybe where we feel helpless and like, don't feel that way. And actually, you know, go out and do stuff and just kind of, I don't know, maybe, I mean, you know that they have cancer, but maybe try to, for that little while that you're doing something just pretend like they don't you know what I mean and just really like dive into those moments with them yeah he he says quite often that you know he'll say you know I I I feel normal I felt normal doing that and 
you know, you kind of think, you know, a lot of times it's, you feel so bad because you can't make them feel good and and make it better. But you don't realize that while they're going through all of that, it's like, wow, yeah, you know, this, this isn't normal for you. So yeah, when you are doing something that you used to do before the diagnosis six years ago, that, you know, yeah, that is normal. And see, my dad, when he found out, because he was diagnosed in 2014 as well, and it was crazy because, like, I think it was a month before he had went to the doctor, um, he was, we were in this uh, bike ride um, that they have in Charlotte, and it's called the 24 Hours of Booty, and ironically, it's where they um, raise money for cancer research um and stuff and it goes to like the local cancer initiatives there around in the charlotte area and stuff and they may they may donate it to other places too i'm not really i'm not really sure but um and that trip because i was just there i think that was the first year i went and i was just there as kind of like a spectator just to kind of show my Uh support you know and he ended up he rode because the loop that they go around in that little area is a three mile loop and so you ride your bicycles like for as long as you can in 24 hours like as much as you want and you camp out there like they have a little um uh area where you can camp out and everything so you're there literally all all day all night into the morning so he ended up riding 100 miles like that I think he had set that goal and he rode 100 miles. And I will, I'll probably never forget that. Cause I was like, cause he had a thing on his bike, you know, that uh, kept up with how uh-huh. many miles he did. And, it was, and it was like 100.6 or something like that. And it was just like, you're, you're, you're joking <laughs> with me. Like you didn't really do all this, you know, <laughs> I was like, there's no way. <laughs> like you just had, you probably had like some little kid just like, had it go around this little track right here like there's no way you know and then it was like a month later he went for just a routine checkup I think and um they were asking him questions and things and he was to the age where um he would have to have a prostate exam like he was at that age you know and they uh they asked him like his family history questions. And then when they found out that his dad had passed away to prostate cancer and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, they're like, well, we better do, we better do the biopsy, like just to be on the safe side, you know? And so then after that, then that's when we found out he had cancer. It was just like a few weeks after the biopsy. Wow. And it's really crazy. Like how, how fast it just all kind of came up you know and then that following month is when he had his surgery so it's it's just crazy how it all worked out you know because his appointment I guess similar to Kevin was just like a routine kind of thing in a way right and had no idea like, what was going to hit once they, yeah and then it's like once they asked him these questions it's like, well, we better go ahead and do it. So it's like they they didn't have to ask him 
asked those questions about his family history. Right. And so it's just, it's crazy to me. And by the time he had his surgery, he is probably, his cancer is probably what would be considered stage four because it had already started to spread to like some of the surrounding tissue of the prostate. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how, how it all unfolded. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it it is, you go from normal to just chaos and out of control so quick. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think there, that, I think it was the following year um he did the bike ride one more year um and then after that he kind of didn't go as much because once he started to take that shot it because it um kills the testosterone in his body so like his energy level has just went like down so much and I don't think he'll ever admit it, but I think sometimes he beats himself up for not like sticking with riding his bike and stuff. Cause he really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And which I think if he really wanted to, he probably could, but um, yeah. Yeah. There's times I it's think just, it's crazy. the cancer is, or the, the, the questions of, you know, I feel like I should be doing more or I feel like I'm failing affect them more than the actual cancer does. Right. Uh, yeah but he's 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 always had a really optimistic outlook about it and like he's never like when he when he first found out like he's never like instantly went like gloom and doom you know or like oh my gosh my life is over or you know like he's just always been very optimistic about it and it's like well if this is God's plan for my life then I mean, that's, that's what it's going to be and I'm going to be okay. So I've tried to, I tried to, um, I don't know how I want to say it. Like I've tried to find that kind of peace that he's got about it. And especially with his new diagnosis now where it's the metastatic, um, stage, like deep down, it really scares me. Like I'm really, you know, really nervous about it, but I try to remember that he's already come this far and I know that, I know that he'll be okay, you know, but some days are harder than others. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) I guess, I guess it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like one day it's like, all good and then it's like you go back down and then it's all good and that's definitely it I tell Kevin and Hannah that all the time it's like I I never liked roller coasters and I really want off this one (laughs) yeah same I feel you on that (laughs) Uh, so I'll ask you one last question um what what advice um or like a little bit of encouragement would you give to other caregivers like you probably I would say the most important thing and it took me it took me a good couple years to realize this but take care of yourself um not not just physically but mentally in your sanity you know on those days that you just 
you just can't deal anymore. You know, take, take the car ride, you know, sit, sit and listen to that song till it finishes before you get out of the car, stand in the shower for that extra five minutes, because in the long run, it's going to make you a better caregiver. You know, you, I, I can't, I can't take care of him and do any good for him if I'm not good and able to take care of me. Um, and that, that was, that was really hard. I had a hard time with the, um, you know, I need help. I can't, I can't do this. Um, but once I did, it was a huge, huge awakening and weight off of my mind, everything and my health, not that my health really deteriorated and all of that, but, you know, I mean, I started feeling better and had a better outlook. Um, so I, I would say that that's, that's definitely the, uh, the biggest thing. Yeah. I like that. And yeah, our, our mental health and everything is important. And I like that you said, cause I mean, if we're not taking care of ourselves, how do we take care of them? You know? So mm-hmm. that- that makes a lot of sense. That. Well, um, I won't keep you, but um, I appreciate you coming on for a little while and chit-chatting. Anytime. This was fun. Yeah. I actually, I don't, I don't know that I've talked this much about all of it. You know, really? you, you always Oh, yeah, you know, there's, you know, people ask questions and there's little bits here and there, but I don't think I've ever talked about it from beginning to now, you yeah. know, all in one, in one swoop. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad that you did. And I'm glad that uh, I guess I brought this to where you were able to share it and were comfortable sharing. Me it. too. Me too. So that's awesome. Well, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend and the sunshine. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully it'll melt the snow away so we can enjoy, um, I guess, the no snow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and hopefully the next snow that comes, it takes a U-turn and it heads down south to you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be great. We'll, we'll take a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> And tell everyone I said hello and I love them and I send big hugs. I will do that and we love you too. And give your dad a big hug for me. Okay, I will do. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yep, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye bye.